Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in, over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete, um, gym owner, an all round nice guy. Um, yeah. And there's, there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah. can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing. So yeah, this is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. Hey, everyone. If you've just joined us, um, cool. Okay. Looks like we are live. So, yeah, if you've... Um, Welcome to another Tuesday tune-in. If you've just landed, um, do drop your name in the comments, say hello, give us a little thumbs up as well, just to let you know you're you're on the live. Um, yeah. Always good to see who's here, because the names don't exactly drop in for us. Um, but yeah, Dave, right? You're back in um, you're back in prison by the looks of it. And I'm yeah, yeah, I, I see you. I see you're at the office, you know, doing some traffic. <laughs> I know. We um, just let everyone know we're having a, a bit of an office redecoration at the moment um hey guys hey everyone who's joined us Sinead, amanda leah paul nice to see you on here julie um yeah i'm actually in this little secret room in this in the build same building as evertrex office but this was a random meeting room and it happened to have this wonderful backdrop and i was like okay i'm gonna do the live there so uh, yeah it, it's not exactly nepal it's more like right second i meeting. just realized something do you remember when i said how do i get a backdrop i thought that was virtual <laughs> no, no, no! This is this is real, Dave. Oh, I thought that was a virtual backdrop. Anyway, no, yeah, no, 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 so that, I'm actually in this. Nice, I'm in this nice little room where they bring the visitors to um, to meet you. Um, but outside visiting hours, they do let me use it to uh, to do this. <laughs> Very good. Um, yeah, so a little bit, little bit uh, mad today. Uh, all the team are, are working from home at the moment. Anyway, um, we thought you know we'd get the the office um, sort of rejigged, redecorated because we've grown the team, a bit more space. All good stuff. Um, we've even got some trees going in there, which is going to be nice. Um, and what's that? And moss. And moss. Yeah, yeah. We're actually going to get some moss, which is a bit random, but um, you know, it's, it's it's good for the energy of the room. So yeah, it's all it's all good. Yeah. Um, Dave, today we I know we we talked about it over the last sort of couple of days, and there was almost that feeling that um, you know, around Nepal. I know we you. you I haven't seen it, but I know you said you saw that documentary about the porter. I know a few people have on the yeah. Trekkers group as well. And it kind of did bring us back to talking about our staff over in Nepal and our team over in Nepal. Um, you know, because they've had a tough year. It's been it's been a challenging one. I know a lot of people have, but um, 
you know, especially in Nepal with regards to their, you know, two trekking seasons getting absolutely destroyed pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, so none of our other trekkers have been able to go over there. And we thought, why don't we do one about our porters and our guides? Um, wasn't it, Dave? I know you you obviously saw the documentary. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, I'll post a link to it on our um, Facebook and groups and stuff like that. I think yeah. a few people already have. I think Sinead already did it. But no, it's this fascinating documentary, really. And um, it's about an American guy who goes yeah. out to Paul and hooks up with a, a company out there to be a porter for an Everest Space Camp trip. Um, he spoke, you know, really good Nepali. Um, and he, yeah, that's what he did. He lived as a porter. He only took what the porters have. He yeah. only ate what the porters ate. And he only slept and where the porters slept. So um, even on the last day from Facting to Namshi, uh, Facting to Lukla, which is not an easy stretch, yeah, it's quite um, steep, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite steep. He carried 100 kilos, which is not what our trekking porters carry, but, you yeah. know, it is what supply porters may carry because there's no guidelines there. They can carry whatever they want. But it got us thinking about, you know, that um, we've always been, like, very strong in our opinion on and how we support those guys because they are the backbone of the expedition. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember chatting to um, Anuj over in Nepal. And we were just chatting about the porters and guides, and he says the guides tend to be the rock stars, um, but without the road crew, they got no show, you know, <laughs> and the, um, the porters are definitely the, they're the hardworking road crew, you know, they're, yeah. the, they're the heroes behind the, behind the stage that, you know, make the trips happen. Yeah. Um, and it is literally off their backs that we're able to do these trips and stuff like that. So we wanted to basically talk about those guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's something else Andy might <clears throat> talk about in a little bit as well. That's quite exciting. Something well, yeah. <laughs> Well, don't sound too excited, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I was, yeah, we, coy. That was trying to be coy. You know? I know, I know. Um, but yeah, over the last, uh, I mean, <clears> seven <throat> months have been massively sort of challenging for, for most people. We found a way to get back to the mountains. Um, so we thought we'd do another little um, sort of competition for everyone, really. So everyone who's on here, I know uh, lots of you have already been to, to Nepal with us, but we're, we're passionate about getting people back to Nepal. The next year is huge for us. Yeah, uh, we got some. You know, we got a lot of people who are taken to Nepal next year. We can't wait for that to happen. Uh, but the next few years, so yeah, today we are launching um, another Everest Space Camp competition. Um, so what we'll do is, I know that um, especially if you've been to Nepal already, if you do win a prize, because I know a lot of people here, like Bry, uh, Ramona, etc., have been to Nepal. Um, get yourself in anyway, because obviously if you do win, then you can um, use that off another trip anyway. That you, if you want to go back to Nepal, um, because we, although we've you know we ran a Kilimanjaro um, sort of campaign uh, back uh, sort of a few months ago now, and it was amazing, and we're really excited about Kili. We don't you know we don't want to forget about Nepal. Nepal is where we first started. It's kind of our spiritual home, and we you know we're really passionate about getting Nepal back on its feet again. Um, you know, and this is why we thought, okay, we're going to do a little bit of a sort of campaign around getting people back to Nepal. I mean, you know, the guys can't wait to have to have you, um, you know, if you're going out to Nepal. We thought we'd do that. So why not do it with uh, another competition? Because uh, if you've been following us for a while, we like to do some competitions from time to time. Um, yeah, so we're doing it for um, two people, actually. It's for if someone wins, then you get to choose who you're going to take with you. Um, and if one of the guys, because I, I know that um, Fee and Lauren are man in the phones or woman in the phones, you can drop the link in here. The guys can enter, but we'll put it on Facebook after this anyway. Uh, but I just wanted to tell everyone that's on the live, um, you know, you may as well get yourself in. 
<laughs> I know Sinead uh, just had a really good point there because um, Facebook in its wonder, wonderful uh, auto captioning device, which is fantastic most of the time. Yeah. Um, it's not always right. And yeah, <laughs> the subtitles just said space camp competition. And although I'd love to see you um, to see you guys get out there um, to space. Um, we're going back to Nepal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Facebook, it's Facebook base camp. Yeah. Do they go automatically? Do they on the live? Do they? They do. Yeah. Yeah. That'll uh, that'll come up, right? And then it'll just say next to it, Newport <clears throat> accent. Can't understand him. Yeah. Fair enough. By the <laughs> way, guys, I apologise for like <clears throat> in a lot. Um, yeah. I can't. You know, I'm I'm perfectly well. I don't have any uh, COVID, but. Uh, <clears throat> That makes it a problem going to supermarkets and stuff like that, you know. I uh, I was in Morrison's last night and I was just behind someone in the queue, fully masked up, and I did that little noise, and it was honestly, it was like the Red Sea. <laughs> you know, it's a good way actually to get in front of any queue you're waiting in. Um, <laughs> Don't try that at home. Um, but right, let's get stuck into it because we uh, I know we, we we're going to talk about the um, the porters um, especially. Yeah. They are the hidden heroes. Um, where do we start, Dave? Should we start about because we we get a lot of. Um, a lot of questions around sort of tips, you know, in terms of how the yeah. porters are um, almost employed as such. <clears throat> Me too, Dave, don't worry. Uh, spreading, spreading, mate, I told you. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, one person especially asked about the tips. What what sort of tips would we recommend for people who are going to Nepal? Well, yeah, so with the tips, so that we do um, require that, you know, you tip the guys and stuff at the end of the, at the, end of the journey. Um, you know, it, it, it basically is compulsory. Because that's culturally uh, expected, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> culturally expected, and also actively encouraged by us. Um, yeah, so it's one of those things where we we want you to give as generously as you can, um, yeah. you know. But I think a fair amount, you know, is usually maybe like seventy to sort of a hundred pounds, something like that, is is yeah. usually about fair. So that's each each member of the group. What normally happens is you put in about seventy to a hundred. Um, and you put it into a common pool and then everyone will kind of like divvy that up then. So it goes to the guide, the second guide, and then the porters and stuff like that. Um, but what we do say is that obviously we can't do the trips without them. Um, and if you watch this documentary, um, the, the movie that was made, you'll see, you know, how hard they work and, and what they do for us. Um, and it is just like they, they they do runs to base camp and back, you know, and we do it once and we're like shattered, you know, they do it um, lookla to lookla basically is, is what they do repeatedly. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we encourage everyone to give as generously as you can. Um, we do a lot for them as well because we and our team in the fall, you know, we, we absolutely want them to be like looked after and stuff like that. So we provide them with boots, jackets, fleeces, beanies. You know, base layer T-shirts and and normal T-shirts and stuff like that as well. So, um, you know, we do try to look after our guys. You know, and if they do yeah. come into the Evertrek fold and work for us, um, then yeah, they are going to be getting sort of slightly more than they used to. But um, that means that we keep the best porters. They have the best language speaking skills and things like that. Yeah. Um, and when you go to base camp as well, you'll find that um, porters will go with you. You know, you'll have the guides and then you'll have some of the porters as well supporting you. You know, and they. <laughs> They want to get you there as much as they can as well um yeah so hopefully that you know explains a little bit about why we like, like the tips are so so important to those guys no they are aren't they it's i mean it's it goes goes to show that you know the last uh nine ten months now especially with the lack of, of, of people gone over to nepal 
these guys are, are real battlers, you know. I mean, most of the porters live in the mountains. They don't live in, in Kathmandu. Uh, some of the guides do, um, but they have families and farms uh, dotted around, uh, not just the Kumbu, but surrounding area. Some of them actually travel, they, they travel up to Everest to work, and then some of them live uh, maybe in the Annapurna region or the other regions, uh, Manaslu. Um, so it's quite interesting, really. <coughs> Excuse me. Davis is going to be a theme today. Yeah, I know. It's, it's <laughs> I know, right? Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's important for them, um, especially when it comes to the tips. And the way we we kind of do it, I think it was Jerome that dropped in there around, um, you know, who who does the divvying up? Because a really good question, Jerome. Um, it's it's always difficult because it, instead of having like a, a trip leader, like for instance, if we did Western leaders, you have that person who can say, okay, I've all the money and then divvy it up. But what we normally do is because all of our, you know, we, we like to think our Evertrekkers are a sort of a part of the community, part of the bigger family, if you like. And, you know, we do operate with kind of that trust uh, between us all. And we like to think that's, you know, reciprocal. So we always say if there's one person in the group who can kind of take charge of that and says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look after that. That's kind of what we, what we like to give, you know, responsibility to someone. Just because it's, you know, instead of giving it all the guide and they do it, it's kind of nice to, to it comes from the group. It's a better feeling. It's a nice celebration that, you know, especially after you've reached, say, Everest Base Camp, and then you come down, you know, nice little party, a few beers in Lukla before you fly home and fly to Kathmandu. It's nice to do it there and then, and you you can have a drink, you can have a, some food with the guys in, in Lukla. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you can, you can certainly just nominate or, you know, if someone – sort of appears like a bit of a leader or something or fancies doing it then it's great so if you are on the group and jerome if you're there mate be great if you, maybe if you can do it if you're comfortable with that if not just get someone in the group to do that that'd be fantastic yeah exactly i mean it's all relatively um you know because one of the other questions we get is you know like what is the divvy up you know like what percentage goes to who and where and it all kind of depends on how much everyone tips so generally everyone puts into the collective pot we all ask you to give as generously as you can. And when you know how much you've got, generally the head guide gets the most, second guides get a bit less than him, and porters get a bit less than him. So we generally kind of work it out just almost like ad hoc, if you will, you know. So we kind of work out, okay, so we got this much. If we give that much to the porter, that much to the guide, then okay, then you can adjust it and put like, you know, a thousand rupees more with those porters, and you you kind of just get like that. There's no right or wrong answer as long yeah. as the sort of structure is that the guide gets more than the second guide and the assistant guides get a little bit more than the porters. There's that kind of hierarchy to it. Now, the reason why that's important, um, because they obviously all work equally as hard, is because the guys who are our porters are actually on track to become guides in the future. Yeah. You know, so it's, so there's um, a hierarchy to it and a respect that's earned by becoming a guide. Yeah. Um, because those guides have actually been porters, they've spent years carrying bags, and then they've learned English, and they've gone through the assistant guide bit, you know, and worked with clients and stuff, and then yeah. finally made it to a guide. Um, so that's why we we like to sort of offer those rewards out like that, um, and gives encouragement as well for people to want to become guides, you know, because um, if everyone got the same amount of stuff, you know, we want people to develop and learn English and exactly. Uh, and stuff like that so that's why we do it that way um so yeah although it's always a tricky one because everyone wants to know specifics how many dollars goes to the guide how many to the assistant guide <laughs> i know you know I so we have a structure like that we could do it but it's yeah it's so, kind of field constricted yeah, to me exactly, yeah. so what we usually do is one member of the group if you can um you know stand up yeah. 
yeah, be the head juror, take every, take it all, and then, you know, just divvy it up. Like me and Andy have done it before where we just sit there, okay, so this is how much we got. Um, yeah. And we start divvying it up and then Let's we get the calculator out. Yeah, get the calculator out, do some high altitude maths in your head <laughs> and stuff like that and then work yeah, it out. Yeah. yeah, great stuff. A couple of, someone said there as well um, in terms of, you know, what currency, um, you know, do you give to um, the guides? You know, when you're doing this, and naturally when you're up there, you'll have, <clears throat> you could exchange in Kathmandu or if you're taking money out of the ATM, it comes out of Nepalese rupee. Um, so again, it's always because you're thinking how much is, say, 10,000 rupee, um, where, you know, normally, um, I'm trying to recall now, I think it's about 146 rupee to a one pound. So we kind of does get a bit like, oh, okay, why well, is it going to take a while now? But um, normally, yeah, you can, was it between seven and 10,000, isn't it? Uh, Dave, normally people give yeah, oh, sorry, quite a bit more, sorry. Yeah, so the last time I went, like the generalized figure was about 10,000 rupees, which works at about 70 pounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there is, but you can give it in dollars as well, you know, they'll accept American dollars and stuff like that, so um, yeah. Yeah, they do, don't they, actually? Yeah, if you have got any dollars, they'd love you for that. Um, it is It is fantastic, but I think the point we're trying to get across is, yeah, when it comes to tips, it is um, it is one of those things in Nepal that's culturally expected because that's the way it's been for a while now. So we respect that, um, you know, as people going into their country and their customs. Um, but Dave hit a really good point there, which was that, you know, there is there is that respect um, in terms of, you know, taking porters who then train to be assistant guides, who then become guides, essentially, you know, years down the line now after they do all their training. Um, you know, their language skills become better because, you know, we've got a certain standard we, 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 we like when it comes to a guide. But we always like taking that person that's got that enthusiasm and determination to want to be a guide because, you know, yeah. we, everyone loves a trier, you know. <laughs> um, and we, we want to encourage that, um, which is why we, we kind of do that hierarchy structure, if you like. Yeah. Um, from what we found anyway, even before starting the company, and I was kind of looking around at how different people in different companies did it. It kind of felt good that we would do it this way just from, um, you know, how we do it. It looks like, you know, we look after the guides. That's the, um, you know, that's the important thing as well, isn't it, Dave? We get it, by looking after the, the guides, we do attract a better quality of guide. Exactly. Yeah. Someone just asked, uh, Chishu just asked an interesting question. Yeah. Is there an unwritten rule about uh, not giving tips uh, to any individual during the trip, um, even if they deserve it? um and to only give it to them at the end so it's one of them with it like i said there's no rule book with regards to how you tip or look after the staff but what we do want to do is make sure that it's fair and that it goes out to everybody because they work collectively as a team so we like to reward everyone equally um so by handing over cash and stuff to an into one individual um you know in in the mid trip and stuff like that i i think it it, it goes better to use at the end when it goes into the collective because although that one individual might have helped you personally, another individual might have helped someone else equally as much, yeah. you know, and and not and not been tipped, you know. So just to keep that sort of routine going of what they're used to and what we're used to, that's what we do. However, that doesn't mean you can't help them out and do stuff, you know. So when we were on trips before, you know, you know, buy them all a Snickers bar or something like that, things they wouldn't normally buy for themselves, you know, like a Coca-Cola. You know, you can look, you can look after the team, you know, as much as you want, because they won't spend money because it's about 500 rupees for a bottle of Coke when you get high in the mountains. Yeah, they won't buy that themselves. 
So, you know, after a ward and a hard day, if they're, if they're sat around a table, you know, then I, I've seen people go up and say, guys, everyone want a Coke? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. If you're comfortable doing that, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, they, they'll love you for it. And I think that's one of the things, isn't it, with the guys? They, um, they never stop smiling. <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter how hard their day's been. Because let's be honest, you know, carrying duffel bags at altitude. Um, and some of them, and this is nuts, right? I mean, <clears throat> I've tried dozens of times to give these guys better footwear but when i give them the footwear the next day i'll still see them and they're flip-flops and i'm like guys you can wear your footwear yeah and i'm like it's because that's how they do it over there it's um it's mad yeah but, and, you know you don't want to excuse the pun yet step on their toes um by you know getting involved with their culture but it's you know there's things like that where it's like okay okay right it's, even though you could tell them how to do certain things, we kind of um, let them let them be be themselves. If they want to do that, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's loads of questions coming in. Um, <laughs> loads. I think we'll start with Dave. I know there's a few here that are related to tips. Um, I think Kirsty Ann, Bo, uh, hey Kirsty, it mentions a, a good point there, and you mentioned about when you were in Tanzania and you give it to your head guide to sort out. Yeah. yeah it's, it, this is where it's, it's it's a little bit different in Nepal because the most guides don't like to do it. They, they don't they find it quite uncomfortable. Um, I know I know because you're right. When we were in Tanzania, um, you know, one of our guides was was okay with that, um, even though we, we chose because we were there. We kind of divvied it up anyway. Yeah. But um, you know, it's certainly good to get one of the team to do it rather than the guide. Um, just that's the way they do it in Nepal. But yeah, I know in Tanzania, and if you know if you do get friendly with any of them and you want to support them afterwards, fantastic. Yeah, um, you know we know people that have done that um, on our groups, and you know we we realise the power of you know these guys are your guides; they're looking after you, but you become mates as well. Um, you know, it's part of, part of the journey. And I think um, yeah. So basically, when it comes to so you were talking there about like kit and stuff like that as well, like yeah any kit and stuff like that, any equipment yeah. and any items like that that you want to donate to the guys at the end, that's great. Absolutely. You know, 100% yeah. encourage that. Yeah, and, Fitzel mentioned that, didn't she? She yeah. donate the equipment. I think, um, yeah, loads of us do. We've Dave, I know you, you've you left some of your, your equipment and you're like, I missed that jacket. <laughs> but at the yeah, time, I, 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 so often, man. But the thing is, yeah. at the time, you know, like I, I've given away, I don't know, Two Gore-Tex jackets, a Dane jacket. Maybe I'm too generous. Hats, I'm good, you know? loads, of stuff, yeah, loads of hats, loads of hats, loads of buffs, loads of gloves, that sort of thing. Because you know, I'm a degenerate anyway, and I buy hundreds of this stuff. You know, so when I'm out there, um, you know, yeah, we. Um, I know even John as well, the great bald yeti, when he was there, he he gave you know loads of his kit away and stuff like that. Largely because you have that feeling of just you want to reward them as much as you can because of everything that they've done um but yeah also when it, i think someone said then about i think you you bet you made a really good point there about like why we choose to give the tips but how it can be culturally different depending on which trip you go on um when you go to tanzania it's kind of a little bit more structured so the guy does take control you will have quite often maybe a bit of paper or something like that and you can work it out and then hand it yeah, to the guy it's quite easy isn't it <clears throat> in nepal um it's better to work it out yourselves and then individually give it to everyone because the guides won't want to have a pile of money and then reward themselves out of that yeah the rest you know because it might rate you know they're, they're too concerned about oh well is that too much is it too little when it's given to them it's greatly appreciated and it takes away a lot of that like sort of stress for them so yeah just at the end in Lukla, you'll all be having a party a beer you'll be eating food 
couple of you all just slope off with the cash, divvy it up, come back, and then give it to them all in a lovely kind of almost like a ceremony, really. Yeah. Um, and then you then you party together, yeah, before you get up early with a hangover. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, just going through some of the questions, we did have some, uh, Dave, because I know we've we've obviously had, talked about tips a lot here, which is which is fine and it's great. Yeah. Um, I know someone mentioned here. I think it was Danny. Um, just want to find your comment there. Um, how much people tip in on the Killy trip? Uh, does it work the same as Nepal? So yeah, Killy is a bit different. The Killy is actually a lot higher with regards to tips because you have such a bigger entourage. Um, like for instance, say in a group of um, sort of nine or ten, yeah. you'll have over about thirty porters. Whereas in Nepal, um, you know, you know, plus your guides, your assistant guides. So there can be sometimes up to forty people. But when in Nepal, um, it's a bit different because we're not carrying our tents, because we're not carrying all that gear, because we're staying in tea houses. We have a relatively smaller team. Obviously, you've got your guides and your assistant guides. And normally, say a group of 10, you'd have a head guide who kind of deals with all the logistics. Then you'll have um, a, a two or three sort of assistant guides or assist, you know, beginning, middle and end kind of thing, looking after the team. And then you've got your porters. And normally it's one porter between two people um you know but some guides do like to use yaks as well but we do almost 95 percent of, of of our trips are when they're porters so it's one porter for two guides so they'll carry two bags um no more than that and that's generally so as you can imagine a group of 10 that means there's only five porters so yeah with regards to the amount of money it is is slightly lower than killy killy is um i think culturally they expect more as well yeah that's uh, one thing i've noticed <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Um, it's because it's like a whole village moving up the mountain, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you can have a team of like 50 people, you know, because all the like the gas bottles, the tents, all the infrastructure, all the bags, everything gets carried up, you know? So when you see the tent, you know, when you see the size of the mess tent and you think someone's going to carry that, <laughs> you know? And then all the <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Alan, Alan Smith's on here as well. Um, I know we, I was so jealous, uh, Alan, when I saw your picture of that whiskey. He carried that bottle of whiskey all the way up there and had it with the boys. So, uh, yeah, oh, well done. Remember, uh, <laughs> summit of Killy, we all had a, a like a little shot of whiskey. I had some Dalmore, which was really nice. And he had this shot glass that was quite heavy, to be fair. Uh, not a shot glass, like a, uh, what do you call it, a hip flask. Hip flask, yeah, and yeah. He handed it over to a, a Scott friend, Doug. And Doug poured it back like that, opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's um. I, well, I did reward him with a bottle of pen there, and I took up to Scotland oh, about yeah. a month and a half ago. So he, he he's happy now. He's happy now. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, Alan, um, fantastic, mate, and um, thanks for for coming with us. I um, did it at seventy two as well, mate. So if I had a hat, I'd take it off to you right now because that is absolutely unbelievable. But also, well, not unbelievable. Fantastic is the word. Um, but right, yeah, just cracking on with some of these questions, guys. I know we're we're doing doing great with time. Um, a few people actually emailed it as well. So I want to take on those questions just so we don't miss those yeah. out. Um, not necessarily relevant to this, but you know what it's like on these lives. We always tend to start one thing and then loads of questions come in. Julian um, yeah. Harrison asked, um, purely out of interest, does trekking, hiking, and altitude get easier for you guys on each ascension? I take it if you're doing multiple trips. Um, and does it get easier every time? Like, I suppose just to answer it, no. You um, Well, actually, Dave. I want you to answer this one because you've got a great way of saying it. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, essentially, yeah. So every time you go to altitude is the, the first time, essentially. You know? Essentially, it well, essentially, essentially, I'll say it again. Um, it does and it doesn't. I think, no, it doesn't on the acclimatization side of things. So every time myself and Andy and everyone else goes to altitude, we have to go through the same acclimatization process as everyone else. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not so great. Sometimes you might get a headache. Sometimes you might not. Um, so it's all a little bit different. What does kind of get easier is the more experience you get of going on these trips. There's little tiny things that get a little bit easier that just free up your mind, basically. So what to pack. You know, you don't have that stress anymore because I know exactly what to bring. Um, you know, how much currency do I need? All of that sort of thoughts. Um, and also the experience of, you know, you've done it before. You know, so you've got that comfort level that I've tested myself. I know I can do it. Um, and I can, it just gives you that sort of encouragement. But that's all mental, you know. When it comes to the physical side of it, uh, if anything, it's getting harder for me because I get less and less fit each time I go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, you have to go through the same acclimatization process as everyone else. No skipping days, no going fast, following the mountain rules. And, um, yeah, each time it's, uh, it's different, to be honest with you. Um, never easier always different yeah exactly no mate great yeah look great answer it is one of those things i think you're right that the mental side of it becomes easier because you've done it before but the physical aspect is the same like yeah. you said it goes through the same same process uh, process but it's a really good question jillian um danny mitchell as well um she's asked a couple of ones uh so the wise ones ever track i don't know we're not that wise um, <laughs> yeah. you've asked on the killy trip but uh, which is cool but taking a sleeping mat with us what sort do you recommend um yeah dave there's a few different types i know the the ones that we used on on killy before because you can get those self-inflate ones um i know we had the mats what's the name of the the make that we used um this, had, this, happened, this happened last week i know it did i have I almost have a mind blank with these i don't know i don't uh, know why sorry, I can never do it as uh if anyone was watching that and does remember, do drop it in because i think lauren is probably shaking her head now because she found it out for thermarest Thermarest. Thermarest, yeah. So I have a third. Honestly, I was about to Google it, but I didn't get that far. <laughs> um, yeah. Thermarest you found it in your mind, Palace. Yeah. Thermarest, Matt, is, um, is, a, is, yeah, a, is a Yeah. It depends. Like, I have, I, I tend to like a firm bed. So um, after a while, I think Andy had my Thermarest and I slept without it because he yeah. was getting more benefit from it than I was. And it, to me, it was just kind of like too soft. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest. The whole trip without it probably would have been a bit sore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark. Uh, Mark's uh, uh, talked in here, and I'm going to have a shout out to Mark actually because he was very kind and sent us some of his coffee, which was fantastic. So, Mark, um, sorry, mate. I know we've. I'm, I'm going to give you a bit of a bit of a thing here because the coffee was fantastic. We had one from um, Tanzania, which was really good, and also one from Peru. I did prefer the Tanzanian one though. I got to say, but Mark, um, thanks for that coffee. Give Mark a little Google, everyone. Mark Talling, um, because the coffee is fantastic. And cheers for sending my way, mate. Um, but yeah, Thermarest. And yeah, she also asked around sleeping bags. Um, I'll be better off using the ones that you that we supply. Um, obviously, because you're traveling, you know, half around the world to get it. Um, or would you, you know, take your own? And yeah, it's just personal preference. Um, to be honest, it's it's one of those things that yeah, um, you know, if you, if you feel like it's cleaner using your own and you want to take it, that's fine. Yeah, because um, sleeping bags can be quite big. Um, you know, that, yeah. bag. What's that? Musty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
thing, yeah. they're, not, they're not brand new and they have been used before. So it depends on your comfort level. If you don't mind the odd sort of stuffy, stale smell that's not you're not used to, that's fine. They're perfect. They'll keep you warm. Um, you only notice the smell the first time you open them, and then your body will be just as bad as the bag. So it kind of yeah. be um, but yeah, other, or if you want to buy your own, you can, they can be quite expensive. Um, but we always recommend if you're going to rent one, bring a liner in the hand. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great, great yeah. shout there. Um, good with the liners. Um, they're just, it just keeps it a bit clean and it's just something else you can just slip into. Yeah. I tell you what, mine, I'm just going to jump in a sec. Cause I, I love it. Yeah, when yeah. I have we've, never, we've never had before. Okay. That we can expand on. So Amanda Hilton, uh, yeah, yeah. cultural question. What are the views on the gay community in Nepal? Yep. For example, she doesn't want to be um, in trouble or disrespectful to anyone if she holds her wife's okay. hand. Amanda, in my experience, which I'll be honest, is not any sort of real experience, um, but I, uh, Nepal is an incredibly um, understanding and accepting place. Yeah, um, I've not seen any hostilities to anything or anyone to anyone really in Nepal at all. Um, so I would say yes, go to Nepal, hold your wife's hand, enjoy yourself, be as you would normally, um, and. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, they're very, like the Nepalese in their very nature are quite sort of, um, I think deferent is the right word. You know, they're quite quiet, quite deferent. You know, they, they, they you know. They'll never voice their, that opinion to you, will they? If, even, yeah, if they exactly. have, even if they did, even if they did hold it, they wouldn't express it. But in my honest opinion, I think the Nepalese and the, their culture is the most friendly that I've personally yeah. experienced. I've not seen any negativity uh, um, to anybody in any sort of walk of life at all. Um, it even goes as far as their like their religious communities. You know, they're mainly sort of Buddhist and Hindu, but they have joint temples where they worship together. There's a yeah. lot of religious harmony and respect there. Um, so yeah, that that's in my honest in my honest opinion, I, I think you'd be absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, great question. I agree. You know, I love questions like that because it's not something that might necessarily occur to us. So when they pop up, I always think it's great to to get them out there. You know. Yeah, no, it's no, it's a great question. Um, and yeah, just uh, just going through the ones off the email again, Dave. Um, I I think it was Andrew Gallagher. Andrew, I don't know if you joined us here, but um, yeah, do the porters prefer duffel bags or backpacks? To be honest, they both are, are relatively easy. What they normally do is that we have like a big sack, if you like, uh, sort of branded sack, and then the backpack is fine. Um, but generally, because we use our duffel bags, I'd say 80% of people do use them. But, you know, it's, it's personal preference, guys. Um, you know, uh, whichever you've got. If you've got one and you feel like you don't need to, to get uh, another one, that's fine. And don't forget, you get to keep one of ours as well when you arrive in the port. So you get a, a duffel bag. And yeah. we always say use ours just because, obviously, it's great for us. I know it's got our logo on it. But they're actually really good bags. And, you know, you're going to get battered. They're going to get dusty. If you're going to use any that's going to get damaged, just use ours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and obviously you get to keep that as well. Um, you know, so you can take it back and you can use it for some storage in your garage if you want to. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my answer to that question. Um, David Clayton has said, any advice yeah. on taking loads of vitamins along for, say, Annapurna circuit? Is it practical to take 20 days worth of meds? Yeah. Uh, get a multivit, 20 tablets, job done. Um, but uh, to be honest, yeah, I always take some when I go, but I always get a multivit. Maybe a tube of Barocca's or something like that, just to yeah. sort of, um, you know make sure you, you're getting all those supplements that you might not be getting from your diet. Um, I always have a bag; it's about this big. It's like a like basically like a wash bag essentially that I put all like paracetamol, ibuprofen, all of that sort of stuff in there, um, Diamox and whatnot. So it's all in one little case about that big, and I've never and I've always been able to take more than I've ever needed. 
So um, it shouldn't take up too much space in your bag or anything like that. But um, yeah, take whatever you need. Don't leave anything that you think you might need. If anything, like sacrifice something else to put that in because it's all about peace of mind. Do you know what I mean? So you don't want to go exactly. there and shoot you to port something. So there's not, I've seen people pack like five beanies, you know, you only need yeah. one. So give it a four and yeah. put something else in that you need, you know? So that's what it's all about. Peace of mind over anything, really. Most people would rather wear a dirty t-shirt for five days in a row and be happy than have a fresh t-shirt and feel like they forgot something. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jackie, uh, Jackie Bolly has asked um, a good question, actually. Do we have any female guides or porters? Um, our general curiosity. We, we have seen them on the trail there. Unfortunately, they're, they're few and far between. Um, you know, there are some female guides um, who do. Um, they, unfortunately, we don't have any um, at the moment because, again, there's literally if, out of thousands and thousands of guides. There might be a handful um, and they're already sort of snapped up, if you like. Uh, but, we, you know, Nepal, I think they, they are quite old school and they're not as, as far ahead as, as we are, um, you know, in terms of that. You know, when it comes to hiring women, unfortunately, um, you know, it is something that Nepal needs to work on. Um, and they are trying to work on it by encouraging more female guides. But, um, yeah, I haven't seen haven't seen many. Dave, have you? I know, I've seen a couple. No, I've, of, I've, I've seen, seen a few. I've seen more on Killy. So, yes, I, yeah. it, it is it is one of those things. And I think but it's partially to do with the nature of the job, you know, um, like historically. Thanks, like. Um, porters work generally, you know, there's two, basically there's the trekking porters, which work six months of the year during the trekking season. Yeah. And then during the, the rest of the time, um, there's like other porters, you know, that carry supplies and stuff. And some of those guys, you know, they, they need to carry a hundred kilos on their back and things like that. So I think historically speaking, that's always been done by like the men and then, you know, women have stayed at home and stuff like that and done like the, the important job of raising kids and keeping the household going and stuff like that. So generally, that's just the division of labor, you know, um, and I dare say it's not too different over here in some in some respects with regards to like manual laboring and stuff like that. Some women, but not a lot, mainly men. It's the same in Nepal. Um, in Tanzania, I saw more um, because the women in Tanzania um, and in Africa do a lot of carrying stuff. They carry the stuff on their heads and stuff. Yeah, they like do, that. don't they? Um, and they carry a lot of that. So yeah. you'll actually see way, way more females carrying heavy loads on their heads around the cities of like Moshi and um, stuff like that than you will men. As a result, they tend to do good, well in the mountains. Um, so you do see more of them in Tanzania. And I've never, I don't know if I've seen any porters, definitely guides, I've seen female guides helicopter pilots, flight attendants, flight pilot, you know, plane pilots and yeah. stuff like that, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, not many porters. Um, yeah, I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. It's not It's not an enjoyable job, I think, carrying 100 kilos on your back, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is. In the mountain, I know in the, the Sherpa community especially, um, it's, again, it's a cultural thing where kind of the guys are expected, the ones to go off and do it. Um where you know the females are expected to stay at home that's that's kind of the way they live um but i know that uh, there's a there's pockets of nepal now that are getting a bit more educated in that um you know so yeah fingers crossed we there's, there's you know we can get i'd love to have um some female evertrek guides that'd be fantastic we're always yeah, yeah, we're about it with the guys yeah it'd be amazing um yeah it's, it's yeah it, I, i'm all for it i know the guys in tanzania because we had a conversation yeah. on the table after the trip and i brought up that we had um a female porter in our group and um, they were telling us yeah they're trying to you know give 
females more opportunity to go and you know have have work in the mountains and take part in in that part of society and make a life for themselves and stuff like that. She was going to do a, open a restaurant, I think, for tourists. That's right. Yeah, but I, I think I might have been with you that time, Dave. I can't remember. Yeah, we, were all, we were all sat around the table. To be honest, we just got off the mountain, so we were all a bit sort of threatened. <laughs> we were a bit tired. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, she was going to open a restaurant and stuff like that, and she's using her porter in Korea to basically fund the restaurant and stuff like that. So that that's what we're all for. You know, we want, we want that yeah. sort of growth. Exactly, yeah, great question. Um, uh, Jisoo uh, has asked as well on on the Nepal trips. Um, yeah, they are all inclusive. Um, sounds great, but do you have an option of choosing food yourself? So yeah, it's an open menu. So we don't kind of say, okay, you can have this today. Um, it's a menu, and you can kind of choose what you want um, off there. So it's you know because the other day you got to eat what you need, um, you know, and what you fancy at that time. Because one of the things about altitude is that you you probably lose your appetite at one time or another. So sometimes it's just nice to go for the, the easy stuff to eat, like just some carbs and potatoes or some chips. Yeah. Uh, you know, just or some eggs, you know, to get some protein. Just something nice and easy. Where other times you can maybe be a bit more extravagant and go for a pizza if you want to or some pasta. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just need that energy. Um, you know, you, you'll find you'll go up and down with regards to, obviously, the trip, but with your the way out, your, your hunger. Um I know, had to get that in, Dave. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely with with that, you can choose your own um, your own food, mate. Yeah, so that answers your question. It is a little bit funny with the hunger. I know. I see. I never lose my appetite, but you do sometimes, don't you? And like at all. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that always happens. I love it. So whenever I'm on a trip, I'll sit next to Andy at dinner <laughs> <laughs> because you'll always get extras. But um, yeah, the menu is strange. Like I, I usually start out eating dalba. Um, which is like the national dish of Nepal, and it's what all the guides, all the porters eat. Um, you know, it's just you'll see it on T-shirts, Dalbat Power, twenty-four hour. Um, but eleven days, you know, three meals a day, thirty-three Dalbats. It's too much. <laughs> you know, in fact, breakfast and then maybe two Dalbats a day. John, again, he tried to have Dalbat every day, and to be fair, I think he made it to about seventeen Dalbats. Um, <laughs> and then after a while, then he had to he had to call it quits. You know. Yeah, um, but yeah, I love me a bit of dalbat. I remember that actually because yeah, he stopped. He said, "Right, I'm not going to have dalbat today," and then it was the best dalbat yeah. we had the entire trip. <laughs> so bad. We stopped at a place we don't normally stop at, and we were like, "Oh, let's have some dalbat." And yeah. um, they they picked all the fresh. Um, uh, the garden, didn't they? It was fantastic. Yeah, homemade chutney, and John was sat there with his um, spaghetti bolognese, and um, yeah, best dalbat I've ever had. Dalbat. <laughs> Um, yeah, dalbat. Um, Diane just asked, "What is dalbat?" It's it's primarily lentils, isn't it? It's fuel. Uh, it's pure people. Yeah, with it's lovely stuff, but it generally comes with. And it's always different in each place you go. It's, yeah, never it's like curried vegetables. Yeah, uh, a lentil dal and rice and rice. Yeah, yeah pretty much all Yeah, and but it's always a little bit different, like. Depending, and sometimes you might get a little like poppadom or something like that. It's like it's like yeah. a poppadom, isn't it? And like on the side, yeah. um, it's a great thing to order if you are starving because you'll get seconds. They always have tons of dalbat on the go all the time, um, so they'll bring around your like it's like a metal tray with the dal and stuff like that on it. And then once you finish that, they'll come around more curry, more rice, more dal, and um, yeah, you'll be you'll you won't be able to eat. Uh, another thing i've never been hungry on any of the treks i've ever done it's one thing we do is probably there's like way more food than anyone human could consume in a yeah. life it's loads isn't it and yeah yeah diane honestly you won't go hungry if you eat that and it's it's always the best i mean i say 70 percent of the time that's what i eat 
Um, you know, and I do, you know, I am a meat eater in the UK, but when I'm on the trek, I tend to, to go veggie, um, you know, just, it's just better for you up there. And you know what? It's always hilarious because you come back and I am gagging for some meat, but you know, I feel miles better. <laughs> and I know, I know I need to give up meat, but um, I'm working on it. I'm working yeah, on it. I'm trying. I'm, I'm, pr I'm almost there. Flexitarian, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, you're definitely a flexitarian. But you're doing well, Dave. You're doing really yeah, well. Yeah, doing well, little by little, you know. Yeah, exactly. Small steps, mate. That's how we get that's how we get everywhere in this life. Yeah. Um, right, Russell uh, asked a good question. How many local guides do you have on regular trips on the Annapurna circuit? So, yeah, um, it depends on, on, on how big our groups are at the time. Annapurna for us is nowhere near as, um, uh, as popular as Everest Base Camp for us. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd say for every, you know, 50 people we get, we probably get five on Annapurna. So you can you can see how it's different. So, yeah, if if, if say uh, most of our guides have done Annapurna, you know, done Annapurna loads of times as well as the Everest region. So um, normally the, the guides that we use for Annapurna, uh, they don't necessarily come from that region, but they would have come from another region, say whether that be the Kumbu, which is where Everest is. Um, or one of the other areas. Uh, Gorka is quite a big, big popular one, um, which is where the Gurkhas are from, um, even though it's pronounced as Gorka. Um, I know it's been kind of spelt differently, but that's where all the, the Gurkhas originate from, which is quite yeah. cool. And a lot of them become guides, fantastic guides. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it just depends on the size of the group. And I think someone asked earlier, I think it was Alan actually asked about group sizes next year. Um, and yeah, just to clarify, I mean, even though that, you know, we've had to accommodate moving people trip, uh, moving people's trips because of COVID this year. Uh, we've opened up dozens and dozens of new dates and sometimes run into sort of parallel groups, if you like, um, yeah. just to accommodate, you know, the situation. Um, but in terms of our group sizes, yeah, they're, they're no bigger than they normally are, um, you know, if that uh, makes sense. Yeah. Also, um, let's have a quick look. So I uh, just saw a couple of questions. One from Jerome. Does anyone yeah. have inoculation for Japanese encephalitis for EBC? Um, I don't think it's needed, Jerome. I think it's one of those that's like optional. Sure, yeah. I think that's in the lowlands, um, if it is at all. I think mm -hmm. it is in Nepal, but I think it's in the lowlands where that particular beetle or insect or something causes it. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong on that. But um, yeah, I know I've been to the travel clinic a lot of times and I have a pin cushion. If I see, you know, an inoculation that I can have, you know, Put it in, mate. But um, yeah, you know, you don't need. Uh, you go for all the optional ones. Yeah, it's hundred percent, mate. I'm total protected. Meningitis, everything. Um, yeah, and uh, there was another question I saw then. So uh, I think it's God, Lisa Gill. Do the sleeping bags get cleaned after being used, and the coats? Uh, to a degree. Um, so generally, you know, they won't. They'll be down and stuff like that. So you're not going to put them through like a, a heavy wash or anything like that. Um, but the dirt and stuff will be like wiped off them and stuff like that. But um, don't expect them to be like shop new or anything like that. Um, they may still have an element of fragrance um, still left there and stuff like that. But um, yeah, what we do make sure is that they're perfectly serviceable and usable. Um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they're not going to be in brand new condition. Um, as you can imagine, we're in like a dane jacket and using a sleeping bag all the time. It doesn't take long before it's clearly used. But as long yeah. as it keeps you warm and stops you, you know, getting frostbite, then yeah, we're, we're all down for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Jerome asked a good question as well. Do we ever trek go up Annapurna or around? Um, yeah, well, we do Annapurna Base Camp, 
which I technically go up to, Jerome. Um, and then we do go around because on the circuit. So those are the two routes we do at the moment, mate. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah I'm not sure about climbing Annapurna. That was quite dangerous. It's it's one of those that the amount of mountaineers I've heard talk about climbing in the Himalayas. It's always Annapurna where they sh you can clearly see. Ooh, it's something you know. There was a guy called Alan Hinks I met at uh, Keswick Mountain Festival a couple of years ago. First British guy to climb all the um, the fourteen eight thousanders, and even he said he said if anyone paid me to do Annapurna, you know, I, I no one would get me back there. He'd do yeah. Everest again. He'd do other mountains again, but he wouldn't go back to Annapurna. It's too dangerous. Yeah, too dangerous. most dangerous eight thousander um, in the world. You know, a lot of people call Cape yeah. the killer mountain, but actually, in terms of the amount of people that reach the summit and then die trying, Annapurna is the most deadly, highest death rate compared to those people. You know, based on the the ratios of those people climbing it. Um, yeah, it's to do with avalanche risk, stuff like that. I think you know, it's just um, it's the angle of the the actual the face. It's it's, it's more prone to avalanches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So um, Annapurna, mm -hmm. yeah, one of them that. Um, uh, I definitely want to climb an 8,000er, and I definitely will, but that will be the 14th one I climb. I'm the same as that. Uh, but, yeah, very, very good. It's funny, Alan said about Dalbat does get boring. I know. I know. I'm, I'm just like you, Alan. I was. I couldn't wait to have chips, and I couldn't wait to get back and order a Domino's. I do love my pizza. Um, you know, I did, I do get that withdrawal symptoms from food I, I, I do like. But, uh, yeah, like Joel you know, was bat in the original recipe? Um, <laughs> more like bat. So B H A. Yeah, yeah. yeah bat. So yeah. Bats. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not going to do it again. Great line, Dave. Great yeah. line. And on that bombshell, I was joking. <laughs> Um, right, yeah, great. So, we, right, any more questions then, guys? I know we've we've gone on for, for a while now. Um, just while everyone's on, don't forget, I will put up the link again. If um, anyone wants to enter the uh, Everest Base Camp competition, I've just dropped it into the comments. Um, definitely get yourself involved. Um, we'll be doing more of that over the next sort of coming weeks, and then we're announcing the winner on the 3rd of November. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we've got plenty of Tuesday tune-ins in between. We'll probably be obviously we always do Q and A's and things like that. So we'll be in touch, um, but definitely get yourself um, onto um, you know all of our lives. And yeah, other than that, Dave, anything else from you? Anything else? No, I think that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Really excited about the comp the competition. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure how many winners we've actually sent now, but it's quite a few. I know I've tracked with two. Yeah. 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 Well, it's always you know we always see it as um, you know we've had a fan out. We love obviously what we do and, and, and helping people uh, you know take on challenges. It's obviously not ideal at the moment, but uh, when we get back, we're going to absolutely smash these uh, trips. We're going to can't wait for them. Um, but this is our way of, of you know, saying, okay, we want to get, want to change somebody else's life and uh, you know, to get them back out to Nepal because yeah. you know, we love Nepal and, um, you know, we can't wait to, to get people back out there and, and to look after the porters and the guides and they can have yeah. some work. Exactly. Well, I was supposed to be there in October, so I'm I'm feeling particularly sore about it. I can't wait to get back. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be awesome, guys. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Great stuff. All right, nice one, guys. See you next Tuesday. All the best, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune in? But I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> 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 thanks mate thanks now if uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast 
Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, try to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm.